Welcome to Chronic Curiosity, where real people have real conversations, driven by curiosity to discuss this life in hopefully an intriguing way. Social media and the internets have woven their way into our lives and psyche, so we'd like to slow it down and be genuine and enjoy this foreign thing called conversation. Like most of the time, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. You know, we may highlight you know things our guests have going on, or it may just be us, Tony, Cass, and myself. You know, often our conversations can swing from one topic to the next: relationships to conspiracies, mental health to ancient civilizations, you know, politics to aliens. But if you're curious enough, they can all connect. But one thing we'll certainly like to do is to connect with you, the listener by discussing things that you can connect with and discussing things that make you curious enough that you didn't think you could connect with. So we hope you enjoy your time with us and appreciate the time you're spending with us because we understand that that's one thing you can spend but never make more. In addition, if you do enjoy our show, we hope you could take a minute to show your support following and liking our channel on whatever platform you're listening to is greatly appreciated and it doesn't cost you anything except the calories to you know clickety click and remember share it with a friend we love growing this network and hearing from everybody we also have a website that is linked in the description chronic-curiosity.com that's a store where you can pick up some fun curious merchandise not to mention some of the most comfortable and curious t-shirts ever as well as a donate button if you just want to help us and support the show. We appreciate your ears and interaction. Thank you once again. Welcome to Chronic Curiosity. Open mind required. Raw human interaction. Inevitable. And here we go. All right. Should be uh, good to go. Good? Mm-hmm. I think Good. so. Good. All right, I'm running things. Yeah. We're good. Cool, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start by saying happy birthday yesterday. Thank you. Big 35. Well, you know what? We can cheers to that because we didn't cheer to that yesterday. I'm glad you were born. Me too. Um, and then I'm going to. This chair is broken. <laughs> you see me sinking down? No. I guess we're. Technical difficulties. Please edit all that out. That's all right. That's me. This is real. Real Here life. Yeah. All right. Your life. Um, I will say second to that. I would like to cheers to you for 20 years. Do we get another drink for yeah, that? Because, absolutely. Yes, yeah, we absolutely do. That's... 20 years. Yes, absolutely. So, if you could, um, how do you feel about just telling the story? Yeah. From the start. 
Yeah. Um, give me some um, bumper sides if I veer off and. Please do. Yeah. Okay, so what was Tuesday, the August tenth, I think. So twenty years ago, August tenth, sports physical for eighth grade basketball. Um, you know, went in see my pediatrician, which was the office that my mom worked at as a nurse. And you know, you pee in the cup, and you know, you I don't know, boys cough, and you do the the physical things and. My mom had went into the bathroom just to use it after they dipped my my urine just for routine, you know, no symptoms. I was perfectly happy, healthy, thin, you know, active. And she noticed that the nurse had wrote down that my glucose was normal, but my strip was still sitting there, and it showed that my glucose was not normal. It was... There was a lot of glucose in my urine. But sometimes if, um, you know, you leave strips sitting there for too long, the color will change, much like the the strips that we put in the pool for, um, you know, to check everything. And so she asked if we could recheck it because she noticed that it was reading and it came back still elevated. So not knowing any of this, like I'm 12, I had to go to the lab and drink this disgusting soda flavor syrup. And then we left. We went school shopping and my mom got a call, I don't know, that afternoon and said that my blood sugar was extremely elevated and I had to come back into the office. I don't know what any of this means. I just know that my mom is crying and we leave. We're like in the mall and we leave. And I go back to the doctor and they tell me that I'm type 1 diabetic. At the age of? 12. It was a month before I turned 13. So this was 2001. I didn't even know what those words meant, right? My mom's a nurse. I feel like maybe I should have, but I didn't know any anything. Um, so we spent, I don't know, you know, when you're 12, your timeline is a little off, but didn't seem like a very long amount of time with an endocrinologist and his nurse. And of course, it's like almost after hours. It's 4.30. And... This is how you check your blood sugar, and here's two different kinds of insulin, and this is how you're going to give yourself a shot, but you know, your mom's a nurse, so you guys can take care of that fine, and you know, here's some symptoms to look out for, and we were pretty much pushed out the door. Um, Being a nurse and family practice, when that happens, we send people to a specialist, right? We don't we don't dive into a lot of that. So my mom was just completely overwhelmed. Um, I still didn't know what was going on to even be upset, right? I just know that I'm going to have to give myself shots for the rest of my life. It's pretty much all I could focus on, could comprehend. So I just remember there were a lot of tears. My dad, when he 
gets scared. He gets angry, right? He he expresses it very much how I do. So there was um, a lot of harsh conversations or not harsh, like maybe not even hysteria, just, you know, why? What is going on? Like, how does this happen? You know, what is she, what are we supposed to do? You know, because we, we don't know, right? So, um, yeah. So that night, my mom gave me my first insulin shot that now I realize was um, long-acting insulin that was supposed to, you know, last 24 hours. So every night I got a shot of um, my long-acting insulin and I went to bed. Right. Um, so to break some of that down a little bit, um, it's like you said, 20 years since you've been diagnosed with type one at the age of 12 means you're getting old. <laughs> so old. So old. I'm still younger <clears throat> than you. <laughs> um, but also, you know, you touched on the fact that your mom was a nurse at the time and had been, and, um, she was overwhelmed by the situation. Um, rightfully so I'm sure. Um, and not those two things can be exclusive or, you know, separated. Um, and then also that your dad appears to be angry when he gets scared or nervous. Um, he, uh, and this is just me speaking from my own experience, um, shares emotions with others differently than most people would expect. Maybe not expect, but um, once you get to know him, you see the feeling. It may not represent what it seems like, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and also that you are a nurse. Yes. Um, how long have you been a nurse for? It will be 13 years in October. So 2009, I graduated from nursing school. So you have a, you have some background in the medical field at this point. A little bit. And um, I just want to touch on that piece too of, you know, your mom was a nurse and she was overwhelmed and, you know, obviously probably overwhelmed because of, you know, you being her daughter. (laughs) But um, it seems like there was a lack of follow-up or sense of caring or bedside manner at the time. Um, But we can get into it, obviously, a little more later, too. But I I do want to bring that point across that you know not everyone's a specialist in mm-hmm. certain fields so there seems to be some kind of disconnect sometimes when we you know see our doctors so but yeah um so that was the first night you had to give yourself insulin or no, my, your mom yeah. your mom my mom did it she did my finger stick um which if you uh, know absolutely nothing about diabetes, especially type one. 
um, if you hear the word diabetes, you're usually, um, or whoever is speaking, generally is talking about type 2 diabetes, which is a very big difference between type 1. Type 2 is your pancreas is making insulin, which insulin is like the key to taking um, energy that you've consumed and um, allowing it to get into the cells that it needs to go into your body. So Specifically carbohydrates. Yeah, so anything that gets broken down into glucose, so eventually fats and some proteins. But um, So without that key, all of the glucose stays in the bloodstream. So patients um, with type 2 diabetes, for whatever reason, their pancreas just can't keep up with the amount of carbs in their body. Now, that could be because of, um, you know, it's just not working at its max capacity. Um, it could be because of diet. You know, um, a lot of type 2 diabetics are overweight. Um, there's a there's a stigma with diabetes, you know, that you ate too much sugar, or you ate too many carbs and, and whatever. But the big difference between type 1 and type 2 is Type 1, which is what I have, for some reason, your bo- my body attacked its beta cells in my pancreas. So my immune system thought that it was something else and attacked itself. So my beta cells that produce insulin, um, when I was diagnosed, I was making a little bit of insulin. So, um, so I didn't have any symptoms. Um, so I didn't have to be admitted to the hospital. Um, they were, I don't, I don't even know what my blood sugar was at diagnosis. Um, enough for them to say, you're, you're diabetic. Um, I produced insulin for about an, about a year, nine months to a year after I was diagnosed. But my body attacked itself. Therefore, I couldn't produce the insulin that I needed. So without the outside source of insulin, which is what we give in our injections or our insulin pumps, I would not survive. So um, I left knowing I had to give myself injections and without it, I would not survive. And it would be lifelong. It's pretty much what I could comprehend as a 12-year-old. Um But my mom had to work the next day, and it was a Saturday, and so she went to work. I'm sure she I, she was up and my blood sugar. I don't remember any of that. I do remember going and getting breakfast with my dad, and I remember pulling into the parking lot and knowing what my blood sugar is, and in order to give yourself the appropriate amount of insulin, you have to know how many carbs you're going to eat. You also have to know how your body responds to the amount of insulin per carbs. I haven't ever done this before. Um, so the first however long was just a guessing game. We just, all right, well, if you have 30 carbs, you're going to take three units of insulin and just record what happens to your blood sugars two hours later. That was pretty much a trial and error in real life. Um, my dad is not a nurse. <laughs> um, would do anything for any of us. Um, and he refused to give me my shot. And 
was probably the best thing he ever did for me. So I was 12 and I'm in the parking lot, I'm sitting in his truck and I knew what I wanted to eat and fuck, I don't even know how we did it. We probably just guessed on how many carbs I would be eating. It's like, I, I don't even know. Um, my dad has no concept of nutrition at all either. So I don't know how we did that, but I knew what the conversion chart you know that they gave me what I was supposed to shoot for and I handed him my pen and um he handed it back to me and he said I can't do this for you I would I would take it all away for you but I can't and at this point my dad is crying and he is so tough and um I'm not used to seeing the side of him um and he said, you know, you go to school in two weeks. I can't be there with you. So you need, you need to do this. And I was not ready to do this. I mean, what 12-year-old what wants to stab themselves with a, a, a needle, right? Um, so he sat there and stared out his window as the tears just poured down. And I did the same, but I was angry and I was scared because my dad is having this reaction that I, you know, it really set the tone for what, um, how this was going to impact my life. And I say that that day just set the tone for how I handle things because he's right. He couldn't be there for me. You know, they're there for me, however they could be, but can't go to school with you you know i can't handle all of life's battles with you you have to he equipped me with the ability to handle it myself um so that was day one of tough love with pops and i know i credit so much of um being healthy to him if it wasn't for my mom's opposite approach of just compassion and love and acceptance um I would probably be very harsh and a lot more abrasive um, than I am. So I attribute a lot of of that to my mom too. But yeah, so that's the earliest memory that I have of um, diabetes. I think it's it's a perfect example of. You know, life is not one way or the other. You need all the things. Um, and obviously we opened it with, you know, mentioning that your dad's response to emotions and whatnot, but he, uh, you know, I, I could see a lot of people, if they just saw the situation without it being explained, um, it could be harsh, you know, telling a, a you know a 12 year old you know obviously I don't, I don't know how it went but you know hey suck it you up you could imagine yeah. knowing him so my my i'm imagining you know him suck it up this is it this is life now like fucking deal with it um obviously i don't know if that's what he said so it don't, was don't. it was softer it was definitely softer than that um 
but it was definitely, it was direct. You know, it was, unless you want to stay at home and be in a bubble for the rest of your life, you have to figure this out. And let's, let's be honest. I mean, they're going to give myself, I'm going to get a shot one way or the other. He has no experience with this, right? Like, so we're both going in it completely lost. He wasn't there for the intake appointment. You know, he was still at work. Um, I can't, I can't even imagine what my mom was experiencing going to work the next day, knowing that my dad is an incredible dad, but she was overwhelmed and didn't know what to do. And she at least had some sort of background. He did not. Right. And, you know, I have a twin brother, so we had another 12 year old and then Dustin would have been 14 at the time. So like, but anyways, he was softer. He was very soft. The tears really make everything soft, right? So he could have been like, suck it up. And I just, I know that there was a lot of um, pain for him right. as there was for me. Well, I think it's, I think it, like, but it's so hard, um, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, if you don't have kids, um, trying to even imagine yourself in that situation i would say is probably nearly impossible because even with a child um trying to imagine what that situation would be like um is impossible and you know i have a uh i've always had a fairly good imagination when it comes to that kind of thing maybe not in all the things you know whether it comes to playing with barbie dolls or something like that with my daughter but you know I'm, the foresight of him being able to say, look, you have to be able to do this. And not only the difficulty of him knowing that, but him having to essentially force that upon you. Like, no, like, I, you know, um, there is something indescribable that comes when you have no control, particularly for somebody you love, you know, it's one thing to not have control over something in your own life, but to want to have to control that, be able to help. And you can't, um, I cannot imagine that, but you mentioned, um, your mom's kind of, maybe not opposite approach, but different approach. Um, so what was, you know, I think we can kind of get a picture of who your pops was at this point was, look, look, we have a task here. We have, you know, a goal that we have to achieve. It's not, and it's, it's just, it's there. We, these are the things we have to do. Um, and taking a kind of st stern ish approach to it. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned your mom kind of having a different, um, softening that a little bit what what exactly you know what was that kind of like so my mom was that way in many aspects excuse me growing up you know i'd go play basketball and i'd get you know make 10 points or whatever on the way home from pops i'm hearing like why the fuck did you miss six you know <laughs> what you know and you know i remember my mom would be like less 
Like, they won. She did great. You know, did you miss that part? And he goes, no, she already knows what she did. Good. Like, let's fix what she did bad. You know, so they're just very opposite in that in that regard. And he's not wrong, right? Like, he's so right. But my mom was always the one to remind me, like, you did good, babe. You know, so... um She, other than you, she is the first person that I still go to. You know, I'll text my mom. Had a real rough night. Blood triggers were shit. Um, I'm fine, but I just, I need my mom, you know. And I feel really sad for people who don't have that because my mom is like my best friend, you know, and, um, my dad is a person, you know, when you're in a relationship, it's usually, um, and you're bitching about something, you need to let him know ahead of time. Like, are we just bitching and you just need like a shoulder or like, do you need a solution? Right. So my mom is the person that you go to when you just need to, to bitch or cry or, you know, whatever. And then my dad is the person that you go to when you're like, okay, we're here for a plan. Like, we want to fix this, you know? Um, even though sometimes he has no fucking clue. Um, but he, he really wants to. Um, so I just remember um, a lot of a lot of that. And, you know, my mom stood behind him all the time. You know, they didn't disagree on how it was handled. Now, they could have discussed it behind closed doors. I have no idea. I remember a lot of um, hushed conversations behind closed doors. I remember my mom um, being openly, not openly emotional, but trying to hide emotion, you know, um, which I would imagine parents would do you know trying to um protect their their kids a little bit um maybe not let them know how terrified they are of the situation um and again if you don't know anything about diabetes a unit of insulin is like a fourth of a drop of rain maybe not even like it's very very small um one unit of insulin for me personally can drop my blood sugar 40 points. So three extra units of insulin could be detrimental to my health. Um, so, it could make for a very low blood sugar, which could cause a lot of issues. Um, so as a parent and being sent home and not knowing what you know my medication level should be and then letting your child go to sleep is extremely scary. Right. So real quick with that, I definitely want to go back to that, but what is, speak on some, on normal levels with a, a normal person with a, an operating pancreas that controls insulin levels and glucose levels. Um, can you speak on the the ranges and talked about to like what those levels are so people understand you know for what's you know forty points or this or you know one hundred and twenty points is you know the scale of you know what all those things are so people can really understand that yeah so um 
And this is a little bit different in kids. Um, I can imagine some parents and children, hopefully, you know, might listen to this and get something out of it. So um, these numbers might be a little off for kids, but for an average adult, um, a normal blood sugar would be between like 65 and 120 um, fasting. We would prefer it to be closer to 100 fasting. So fasting means you haven't had anything to eat or drink besides water um, for 10 to 12 hours. Um, a normal um, functioning pancreas um, or you know patient, their blood sugar could go up to 125 ish after a meal and still be considered you know normal um once you start to get above that you can be into what they call pre-diabetes so so essentially a, a quote-unquote normal functioning pancreatic person <laughs> has a window centered around 100 from 80 to 120 so 40 points, give or take. Yeah, to make it 100. to make it easy, yeah. Of course, somebody could listen to this and say, that is not exactly right for me. Okay, it's per patient. General, but in general, as a family practice nurse, that is the guideline. That is what we are looking for. Um, it usually takes two labs saying that you're above that to be considered pre-diabetic or, you know, depending on what your blood sugar is, that you are actually full-blown diabetic at this point. Um, yeah, so if you know you your body, so your pancreas works beautifully. You digest food. It knows the correct amount of insulin that um, is needed to unlock those cells for the glucose to go where it needs to go. So I have to be my own pancreas. So I have to take into consideration what I'm eating, how many carbs. What also is it high in protein, how much fat is in it, because that's going to affect the metabolism of the said carbs that you're eating. Um, complex carbs, which would be like your whole grains or um, you know your vegetables that have carbs in them, they digest um, much later than simple carbs, which would be like your white breads or you know your um, sour patch kids. Your, your sour patch kids, right? <laughs> so, um, as I see, you have on handy. Yes. So, helpful, helpful tip. If you have diabetes. You always need some sort of um, simple um, carbs handy. So, helpful tip: make it something you really enjoy, um, and don't let yourself have it any other time. So, when you go <laughs> low, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so. A lot goes into it, right? Um, and now there's a lot of helpful ways, you know, to keep an eye on all of that. But 20 years ago, and I really sound like I'm making myself old here. Old as <laughs> We didn't have that. We had a finger stick. So that means that um, there was a device that mm, still used all the time today. Um, you prick your finger and tiny drop of blood comes to the surface you put it in the strip and it gives you a blood sugar reading um that's all that we had to base this on. you know you have no idea if you are on your way to a high blood sugar or if you're on your way um to a low blood sugar so you have to determine i'm going to eat this food 
This is what my blood sugar is. This is how many units, you know, I'm I'm gonna give. So um a lot a lot plays into that. Not to mention I turned 13, you know, four weeks later. Teenager, hormones, you know, I started my period like ten months after that, which changes everything, right? So um the first couple years were just a whirlwind you know once we figured out how much insulin i needed figured it out right it's always kind of changing um i started my period and right around the same time we realized i needed quite a bit more insulin so that was an indication that my pancreas finally stopped producing any insulin at all so i required more so to just kind of there's a lot there there is a lot there there's a lot um so you know, there's a couple important things that i, I do want to touch on because you mentioned hopefully people listen to this um you know particularly people going through a similar situation or even trying to understand um you know what diabetes is because you started off talking about type one versus type two um and i will try to do my best throughout this episode to not um, talk too much for you. Um, but I'm passionate. Mm -hmm. Um, but you are in this, <laughs> you know, I, I've had discussions with people that, um, are my age, uh, that, you know, find themselves pre-diabetic or type two. And, um, you know, they just, it's the, I don't want to say the the lack of concern for their health, but it's maybe the ignorance of it. And I mean that in the true definition of the word mm -hmm. ignorance, they just don't know any better. Um, so that the idea that um, even the idea that there's two different types of carbohydrates can, some people, they just don't understand that mm -hmm. um, a complex carbohydrate, like you said, pastas and different things, um, or like potatoes will break down slower than, you know, simple carbohydrates like uh, sugar, um, you know, and all those things are, you know, and sugar is what's in sodas and juices. Even if it's a, a juice that's fresh, uh, a fruit, that's still a simple sugar. Um, is it better for you than, you know, manufactured sugar? Probably. Yes. An apple is probably better for you than a glass of Coke. They're still simple sugars, so they your body absorbs them much faster um, and dumps that sh you know takes that sugar into your you know veins much faster. Um, but so even the idea of how proteins, which is not a sugar, can affect that process and fats. And you know I don't think we'll get into that today. Um, maybe uh, people can can check you out and follow you on your fitness um, training journey as you're going through and get some more pieces of that. Um, but the idea of trying to understand that or even understand that that's a thing at the age of 12, 20 years ago, let alone 20 years ago, let alone. Um, but it's, it's a lot. You know, it's, and there's a lot of depth to that that people don't see or understand. And 
it, it just it goes back to the, um, you know, you don't always know what's going on. Um, but sorry, tangent myself. Um, but I've, I've, I, I know people that, you know, my age that are type two and it's, oh, oh, well, I, I, um, you know, I backed it down from, you know, drinking a, a soda or whatever to eating this, you know, whatever it is, bad choice of food, but, um, people don't realize, well, or, well, you know, I don't, I don't eat donuts or anymore. I don't do this, but, and as they have a, a full blown energy drink in their hand that has, you know, 80 grams of sugar. It's like, well, that's, it's carbs. It's carbohydrates. They don't, what's carbohydrates? Well, that's sugar. Um, so those things are important to realize that people, sometimes people just don't know. Um, so trying to figure all those things out, let alone with hormones at this point, um, which if people also don't know, you can hormones, it's changes your entire body. So now at this point you are not even a year later and your hormones are doing what they do as a 13 year old or, you know, 10 to 14, that whole range is a disaster for everybody. I feel like, um, and you continue your journey at that point and you have to test your blood to see what your glucose levels are throughout the day. And so kind of coming back to that range that you talked about, you know, a normal, quote unquote normal is 80 to 120 roughly. And that's kind of people hover, hover at. Um, but you said, you know, you touched on the, a, a unit of insulin could change your blood sugar for how, you know, how much. So what's the kind of ranges that you are fighting in, you know, with your hormones being all over the place and trying to just figure out what's working and what's not, um, you know, where are you at at that point in your, in your state in your life there? Um, so I don't, honestly, I don't remember a lot of that. Um, I know every time I get my A1C done, which A1C is a way of checking what your blood sugar average is over the last three months. Um, every time I get that done, I can see what it had been previously. Um, and I know that when I was first diagnosed, so a normal, um, you know, non-diabetic person, it's uh, like below six. Um, and I was probably around nine, 9.5, which um, you could probably look it up, but I want to say that probably puts your average blood sugar around like 190, um, which obviously is pretty significant, um, significantly high. Um, however, I was still producing a little bit of insulin, but if I had to guess, that's where I was, where I was at. Um, I... I don't remember a lot about that. Um, I know that my parents told me that they would do random meter checks, which means they would randomly get my glucometer out and make sure that there was a blood sugar there before breakfast, 
before, mainly when I wasn't at home, before lunch, two hours after lunch, before I played basketball, during practice. If any of those were missed, I was in trouble. Right? So they were making sure that you were just, yes. that you were doing your part to, to figure out. Yes. And I, I know that that sounds super harsh. However, it goes back to that parenting style where you can't be your, you know, your kid's friend. You have to be the parent first, even if that's super hard for you. You have to choose the harder journey if you want to help your kid's journey. Like, I can't even remember how I felt about that. Like, I was probably pissed, right? <laughs> um, I don't remember. I don't ever remember thinking that, like, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to. Well, of course, I didn't want to do it. But um, I don't remember ever trying to fight, like, I want to break from this. Um, or I'm just taking one. Like, I didn't have that option. There's no way they would allow that. I don't even know how often they checked my glucometer. Um, but it's it's like today or, you know, this um, day and age. Like, I'm going to check your phone. Like, you don't put a password on it. I'm the parent. Um, we don't do that now. Our kid's only nine. But, you know, if you're living here, I'm going to check your phone. So that's how it was. You know, you, you, you can't make up a blood sugar at, you know, 11.45 on a Tuesday <laughs> where you should be checking it at lunch, right? And why is that important? Well, you ate lunch. So how do you know how much insulin you're supposed to be doing? You know, um, I myself personally, I am very um, sensitive to cardio exercise. 60-minute basketball practice is a lot of exercise. So knowing where I'm at starting, if my blood sugar is a little too low, I need to eat some simple carbs. Um, if I'm a little high, it's probably ideal because the um, practice is going to bring me down. But I would need to check halfway through just to to check. Right. Um, also, anytime I, I didn't feel right, you know, um, if your blood sugar is high, you get really thirsty, you can get blurred vision, um, you can get irritable. When you're low, you're, um, you feel warm. You also are irritable. Um, part of my face goes numb. Um, you have a hard time linking the correct like, words together. Um, so anytime any of those symptoms would come on, I'd have to check my blood sugar. Right. Um, so again, um, my mom always met, backed my dad on that. He wasn't the only one. You know, she would say, you know, I'm going to check your meter. And I don't ever remember getting yelled at. I'm sure I did, right? I'm sure I forgot or was late or something, um, but I don't remember it. So it wasn't like this traumatic right. thing. But, um, it was, it was super needed, right? But to you know, to put that kind of in context for everybody, you know, so you have this twelve, thirteen year old girl that just got told um, that you're going to have to do these injections for the rest of your life. You have to consider what you're eating for lunch every day. What you're, anytime you eat something, you have to do mathematical calculations. You have to prepare yourself for the ramifications of that. You have to plan this out. And you know that doesn't stop. 
that's ever. Yeah. You have to eat. And every single time you have to eat, you have to consider what you're eating and what it's going to do to your body. And so you've mentioned, uh, you know, a, a normal A1C level is, you know, just under six. Uh, you mentioned maybe you might be up around nine, this, that, whatever. Um, we've mentioned, you know, the blood glucose level from 80 to 120 is normal-ish for normal people. Um, but to consider that every moment of your life is, hey, I need, I need to eat. What do I need to do so I can eat? And I guess two kind of a, a two part thing is one, you know, what are the extended ranges of those numbers so people can kind of understand that, okay, 80 to 120 is normal. Well, are we talking 80 to 120 on a zero to one to zero to 200 scale? Oh, you know, or, yeah, okay. Or, you know, or in, with the A1C and, so what are these extent ranges, you know, what do they mean for you and your body? And then, you know, how do you, well, let's, let, we can start there. Okay. We'll do, we'll do so now is a little bit different than then. Obviously, when you are just starting out, um, your ranges have to, they you have to have more leeway because you don't know what you're doing. And I did want to bring back that, you know, you mentioned um, proteins and fats and how those affect your blood sugars. I did not know any of that at the time. Like that right. definitely came later. So we definitely started very bare bones. Um, so, but for me personally, um, as an adult now, if I hit 60 or below, um, that's pretty, it's pretty low for me. Um, I'm just, I, I'm just going to say it. I'm an outlier. My A1C has been below, um, has been at non-diabetic range for probably three years. Um, and that is not because I have it easy. It's because I work really hard for it. Right. However, along with that comes some low blood sugars. Um, because I'm scared to death of the side effects long-term with high blood sugars. Um, the side effects of a low blood sugar are a lot more scary in the moment. Um, but anything below 60 for me is pretty, um, I require some sort of fast-acting glucose. So I think just... To point that out real quick, so a, a normal, quote, normal blood sugar is 80 to 120, a 40-point range, and basically going 40 points or 20 points from that 40-point range is where it's, oh, there's something wrong here. Mm -hmm. So it, it happens quickly. Yeah, it, so it works, just to put into perspective, if we do a finger stick on a patient and it is... 55 i believe it is a critical like you have to alert the provider um so there are some times where my blood sugar will hit 60 and i won't feel it i have no no change in side effects because um, of your consistent low control unfortunately yes um 
so having great i'm doing air quotes great control does have its slight disadvantages that my body doesn't alert myself um that i'm low because it's used to staying in this range um if i get to 40 that's when you know the the side effects come but on the opposite side of that just talk just briefly touch on i'm sure we'll touch on it more but just so people understand of a a low of yeah what what happens when you're not just low and your your face gets a little numb or foggy yeah so um sometimes it comes on pretty quickly sometimes it's it's gradual but um you know this this part of my face will go numb um get really hot um confused um really tired and not just like a tired i want to take a nap like tired to where i know that i should be getting a snack and i am super diligent but i can't actually get up to get one like it's i have a lot of shame at that point in time those um situations doesn't happen too frequently but i get so mad because i know the only way to fix how i'm feeling is to get something to eat but i feel like i physically can't you know um i have i have passed out from a low blood sugar um it happens um that's that doesn't happen often um i do drop low often and it's usually just sweaty shaky a little bit confused i know what i have to do i do it and it fixes it that's pretty much the the day-to-day aspect so just if i can try to relate this um, because i've experienced it you know um i guess there's a couple ways i could try to explain it um to where people could relate to it obviously i i have no idea exactly what it feels like um but we've had enough conversations that uh i feel like i can at least relate to it a little uh, if you've ever um you know haven't eaten in a while and you have that empty stomach feeling but all of a sudden your body just starts tingling because you're like you feel like you just have no energy because you haven't maybe it's you haven't eaten anything or whatever it is and you just you kind of feel like you uh maybe had a beer or two or a drink or two with without obviously having a drink or two and you just kind of get that tingly sensation and that kind of almost kind of weakness or uh maybe a little bit of that is you know if you've ever stood up real fast and you had a head rush and you kind of had that tunnel vision that kind of ooh um feeling i don't know better a better way to explain it but kind of obviously that's not exactly it but you know a a culmination of that but it doesn't just go away so you have that you know your strength is just kind of sucked out of you you're foggy and tunnel visioned and you're just kind of tingly numb and like uh, i just need to i just need to lay down that's what your body's telling you but obviously your brain at this point has recognized these things in your brain saying, no, 
you're low, you need something, but your body is trying to do something entirely different. Mm-hmm. I do think that's a, a, a at least a, a fair attempt at yeah. a description. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's very nuanced. So there are times where a 60, I don't feel it. Um, There are times where I will have a blood sugar of 50 and it's noticeable by those around me and I grab a snack and I'm fine. Um, Three weeks ago, we were outside working. Um, So not only does cardio activity severely drop my blood sugar, so does the heat. Um, We were outside and... I came in, I pushed it too hard. I knew my blood sugar was low. I kept going. I waited too long. I also then was dumb and I wanted a specific snack that required me to actually make it, which then added more time. So by the time I was done making, and there was a ton of fat in it, which slows the digestion, which means the sugar did not get to my system. I was a dumbass. Um, and you were outside. And I, you came in and you knew I was low and I said I ate something and um, you went back out and tunnel vision started and I was super sweaty. Um, my words weren't, my words weren't even making sense in my head. Um, so I sat on the ground right in the kitchen and I yelled for Kai. She came running and I said, get daddy. And that's the last thing that I remember. Um, I I made it to the floor. Like I sat on the floor before I called for her. And I know you were, you you came in. I I don't, I don't, I wasn't, I don't want to say I passed out. I just definitely left for a little bit. Um, I remember when I stood back up finally, after you got me some juice, there was, should have been the first thing that I had literally 10 minutes before that. Um, I got you, babe. Yeah, you're real good. <laughs> um, just the floor, our kitchen floor was just covered in sweat. Like it was not because I was working outside. Like it was so bad. Um, no, so then there are those times. Um, there are times. I remember when we were dating and I went to the dentist. And so I couldn't eat anything for a while. And I obviously was still living at home. I was probably 17, um, 18 maybe. And I don't remember if they, I think I had some teeth pulled or something and I couldn't eat anything. And you came over after work and you walk in. And this is just my mom telling the story. You could probably take over. But I remember you walk in to my mom slapping me in my face so that I could eat some food. Because I had been sleeping all day, hadn't ate anything, and you take your insulin, like I mentioned at the beginning, that is background insulin that lasts 24 hours. It's still working. Um, I had been sleeping, didn't know to check my blood sugar because I had been sleeping. Um, I ended up very low, and I know you walked in on that, and my mom was handling it. Mm-hmm. I just remember afterwards she lost it. You know, she, my mom was always there, but as soon as I was able to take over, I did. And I tried to keep as much, right. not from them, but, you know, I, 
I didn't want her to experience more than she had to. And I know right. that she hadn't had to deal with that. She hadn't had to see that in a while. And I remember um, just knowing that you had walked into that. Yeah. I, um, I do remember that very vividly. Um, you of all people know that my memory is not great, at least for most things. Um, I do. I remember that. And I, um, you know, I do, it's silly now. Maybe not silly. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I think it was, you know, let me back up before that. Before that, um, I had kind of understood um, putting in coldly the the logistics of, of what's, you know, what was going on with your body. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, I just liked you. Um, and, you know, I... I wanted to be there and figure out and learn so I could be there for you. Um, but I, I do remember that extremely vividly walking in that door and you were um, in that state of it's uh, if anybody like it's, it's kind of like, and I'm not trying to like make a joke out of this at all because it's, you know, it's not, but we, gotta laugh at some things mm -hmm. um it's like that uh that person in high school that got drunk for the first time and they just overdid it you can if you think about your your you know your friend that um you know had their first had their first beer or their whatever for the first time and and uh at first they're they're kind of a little you know talking about the stages here and i'll get back to walking in there um, but just so people can kind of understand that people see it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a little goofy at first. You're like, Oh, you know, cause it's, it's, you start off a little goofy and then it's, they start to decline and it's, you can tell the, the physical and mental like fog comes on and then it's, Oh no, I just, I just need to lie down. I just need to, I just need to sit like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then they sit or lay down and and then unconscious while most of the times if you're drinking and that happens you know the person just needs to sleep it off whatever um but that's it's not exactly how it works with you know with the type one diabetic um, because you have to introduce glucose into the system to get them to wake back up it's not just sleep it off. So uh, when it gets to the point of the passing out and unconsciousness, is, which is what I walked into, that alert and your mom was trying to alert you, you know, hey, kind of that whole, hey, stay with me. Stay with me here for a little bit. Um, and she had gotten you, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like grape juice or something like that. And you were as much as you could protest it um but you were in and out of consciousness i am very stubborn you are very stubborn even in my subconscious but, apparently yeah it was you i can't you're probably saying how gross it tastes or whatever um but that was it 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 made me realize that okay this is a dire situation when this happens 
and you know she acted and she did what she had to do and it's stay with me and let's get some sugar in you and then once we've accomplished that goal okay now we can we can sit back um kind of like the story you just told about recently um she Kyrie, our daughter came out yelling that you were on the floor and i was like my first thought was oh my gosh she passed out and hit her head because i knew you were low but you know we've been through plenty of those and that was my first thought was she passed out and fell because that's that's real dangerous um but you were semi coherent when i came in and i had you know I asked you questions and you were able to answer them a little woozy, but at the same time, it's that instinct in me. Let's just get a little juice in you too, while we're at it. Um, because part of that, uh, those ends of the spectrum, you know, that we talked about is when you go really low, you pass out, you go really high. Okay, long-term, you're doing a lot of damage to your body, which we haven't touched on yet, but um, you know, you don't pass out. You can get sick, but you don't pass out. Unless so, you're really, really high. Right, unless you get way up there. But it's, it's, uh, it's much easier for you to pass out from a low blood sugar than it is a high blood sugar. So in the problem with passing out from a low blood sugar is you can't eat anything. So then it becomes a problem of, okay, what do, we, what do you do now? Um, but I do remember that. And it was kind of one of those, maybe subconscious. It, it didn't freak me out. I mean, I'm still here. Um, but it was recognizing that, okay, this is kind of emergency mode and we have to do what we have to do. And then as soon as you know the job's done, and we realize if we do the math in our head and okay, it's going to take some time. That took me a little while to realize that like, it's going to take you some time to, to come back. Um, you know, we can solve the problem and, and then we can break down and deal with it. So going back to what you said about, um, for some reason you liked me. Um, so, you know, trying to go through high school for a normal, um, healthy person is real rough, right? Like it's, We've it's high about the school. hormones, it's the hormones things. and they don't stop. And, um, you know, it's just a lot. And, um, I remember being a freshman and, um, Beth, she was a senior and she played basketball too. And she was awesome. So I probably was like fangirling because at the time basketball was like my life. I loved it. And I remember having like my first high school boyfriend. And I remember telling him that I had diabetes, right? Like it's not something that I was always super um, ashamed about. Um, and, you know, whatever emotion you feel for something that's going on in your body, like that's for you to feel, right? Like mm -hmm. obviously I could sit here and tell you that life is a lot easier if you don't put shame on you yourself or whatever. But I 
I remember not like advertising it, but I don't really remember being super like hiding it per se. Um, and so I remember telling him that and you know, this is it like at, at my locker, right? Like I am a freshman. I am maybe 14. You were young. I was very young. Um, so, you know, so it's not like I'm allowed to go on dates or anything. And I remember Beth coming to me and she said, Hey, um, you know, so-and-so asked me if he could catch diabetes. And then that just made me realize like a year and a half ago, I had no idea what it was, you know? So I wanted to be like, no, you dumbass. Like, but at the same time, I had no idea what it was a year and a half ago. Right. Um, so luckily she was smart enough to say like, no, you can't catch it. It's totally fine. Um, you know, I practice with her every day and just sometimes she has to stop and, you know, he stayed around for a little while. Um, but that wasn't always the case, right? I've definitely had people um, extremely uninterested when they found out, which understandably so. You don't, I was young, which means they were young. Like, you don't right. know what you're getting into. Um, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of boyfriends per se, but you are the first person that I told you. And you're like, okay, you know. Not that you brushed it off, but like it wasn't this big significant drop bomb that got dropped like I anticipated it being. Um but I remember like a month or so into dating. I don't know if we were watching a movie or something, but you stopped it and you just said, I want to know everything. Like, obviously you probably at that point had experienced some of it and I was always going to the bathroom to give myself shots. And I do remember you thinking it was super weird at first why I went to the bathroom so often. <laughs> um, Cause I wouldn't even check my blood sugar in front of you. Um, so I would go to the bathroom for that and I go to the bathroom for any shots that I had to do. Um, but also PSA, if you're going to the bathroom a lot as a child, that maybe, is a big that, symptom that of, is a symptom of, of high, it's high blood yes. sugars going to the bathroom. So, Yes. She was not going to the bathroom a lot because she had to go to the bathroom at that point. Yeah, I was just um, <laughs> slipping away. Um, so I just remember you saying, like, I want to know. I I want to know what this entails. I want to know what you're feeling. I want to know how I can help. And I remember you left that night, and I just was blown away. I hadn't even had friends. They wanted to be invested in that, you know, they wanted to maybe check their own blood sugar or, um, you know, and they definitely cared, you know, they, they looked out for me best that they could, but you know, they was, it was never like a educate me, like, let me know what you're going through. How can I help you? Um, and you were the first person to do that. Um, and that meant more than you could ever imagine. I remember telling my mom and she cried. Um, it just made me feel, I mean, if you hadn't have been like that, I 
would have been okay. Um, but I'm definitely someone who is not going to take being treated how she, how I shouldn't be. Right. So if, um, it's not something that I just would have like hit away in a box, you know, if, if you weren't okay with, um, and I fear that people do that and that's sad. Um, I am a lot. There's a lot that comes with this. And I was just grateful that you wanted to understand it. Well, I think a lot of it, you know, kind of trying to encapsulate that. It's, it's one thing to be just, you realize a, a thing is a thing, but you you don't necessarily deal with it. You know, you said some of your friends just they just didn't have any idea, and some people we just don't have any idea of what some you know. I, it really goes to you know you you have no idea what some other people are, are going through until you ask them. Um, so it's you know it's kind of like that middle ground of well yeah there's this thing that's going on like she has this thing but. Uh, whatever like she seems normal whatever because i'm sure i'm just assuming at this point that you're trying to be as normal Mm -hmm. as you could be as a you know 12 to you know whatever 18 year old you just want to be normal um and if you don't ask somebody you'll never know what they're going through and you know and i applaud you for you know saying like you, you didn't want to hide it this wasn't a thing that like i'm sure there were, obviously there's plenty of times that you it made you kind of feel different or weird or whatever you know you want to go to the bathroom to check this up like understanding that you didn't deserve to be didn't deserve to feel bad because of who you are um you know i think that's the the, the negative end of the spectrum uh, you know you shouldn't hide who you are. Um, but I I guess if, if we never ask what someone's going through, we don't know what someone's going through. Um, so it's just, sometimes it's just ask, ask, Mm -hmm. you know, ask if, and it's not just a, Hey, you okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, asking those more, in-depth questions of hey tell me about this i want to know about you and like i mean that's what it was for me was i just yeah. um regardless of how much either of us didn't want that to be a part of you and you said it is so i wanted to know about you um and i wanted to be there to support that um I think that it's um, maybe not easier, but because it's something that you can't see on the outside, other than when you have symptoms that stand out, um, you know, you appear normal, right? Which is great, um, but it also, I remember. A lot of times, um, people 
maybe not not believing me, but thinking that like, well, you look fine, you know, so you're fine. Um, even if I would tell them like, I'm, I'm not fine. Like either I'm not fine in this very moment or like in general, I'm not like this healthy person. You know, I've always been, I was always skinny growing up. Um, I'm not healthy, you know? Um, I don't even want to use the word healthy cause that's not the right word, but you look okay. So you must be okay. Um, I mean, I, I remember being called a liar, right. you know, and that's just now I, I like, I literally don't even care. But when you're younger, like you just want people to understand, like I, I didn't even understand. So how would I expect somebody else to understand? But you know, I remember, I don't know. It's just, mm -hmm. it's different. Um, so yeah, you, well, I think maybe just, and uh, the last thing I want to do is make this about me. You've already said how awesome I was. So, you know, but uh, maybe subconsciously, and maybe this is just a tidbit we can say and then skim over. Um, but maybe subconsciously, I, I was not okay. Um, maybe not necessarily physically. I was fine. But... You know, I think it, it, if you didn't know any better, what you were just saying, you could apply in to like mental health. Mm -hmm. You seem okay. You're fine. You know, um, we've discussed, you know, um, lately military personnel and PTSD and things that they go through. And, and some of those folks that, you know, a lot of people go through different things that we just don't know. And it's, well, you look okay. So you must be okay. So maybe that was just kind of one of those things where I realized like, oh, I, I, I realized that without actually realizing that. Um, but so, you know, we've, we've talked about what happens when you go low. Um, it's scary. You can lose your physical capabilities, passing out. Um, you know, and that can be a scary situation. Uh, but you also mentioned earlier the what, the long term ramifications of being high. So it seems like the being going super low. You know, well, only forty points below normal can be very dangerous and emergent short term. Mm -hmm. Um. But you mentioned the long term, and that's why you would rather kind of risk being in that that lower range because of the long term issues. Um, if you could um, maybe talk about that that range of numbers that we've talked about, and what are those kind of long term complications? Because I'm sure you've thought and you know considered them and seen them. Yeah, so um, probably a week after I was diagnosed, which would have been maybe a week before I started um, eighth grade, I remember being in my parents' bedroom and my dad sat me on his bed and he ripped the diabetic complications band-aid off, right? So he painted this 
very um, detailed picture of what my life would look like in my 20s and 30s um, if I didn't make this a priority. Um, so your blood sugar is too high for too long, and that can be very dependent on the individual. Um, you can have neuropathy, which you can get neuropathy in so many different places. Um, but so, real quick, what is too? What is roughly from a medical standpoint too high, and also what is neuropathy? Well, so. Um, just obviously general terms yeah. because we're speaking generally here. So ab above 120, you know, or higher if you've um, had some food. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, you could have an average blood sugar of 170 your whole life and not have a complication. Um, it's, it's very um, individual to other things that are going on. But when you think diabetes and how um, it's discussed in our culture today, um, it's high blood sugars. It's literally hyperglycemia, which is elevated blood sugars. That's what that is. Um, it, when you're high for long periods of time, that's when you have the symptoms that are so um, likely associated with, with diabetes. Well, I guess what I mean, I guess what I was trying to allude to is um, we've known people that have type one or and type two that are, they hang out in the four hundreds. Yeah. So, you know, so it's super high, you know, obviously we talked about 80 to 120 is normal. You know, you said 170, that's kind of high, but we've known people that are hanging out in the twos, three hundreds, four hundreds, you know, and above, mm -hmm. you know, this, I, I, I guess, I'll just go ahead and say it. The point, the, the picture I'm trying to paint is 80 to 120, that 40 point range is normal. 40 points low is super low. And, but guess what? It doesn't stop there. That range can shoot way up. Yeah. So I, I understand what you're saying. So, I guess I'm just trying to say like, it's so, it's so broad, right? So people can come in and they can um, have their first blood sugar of 900 right? Like they passed out at home and their blood sugar is 900 and oh, you have type one diabetes, right? And they likely leading up to that point had symptoms that they probably just missed or they, they thought, you know, they contributed to something else. Um, but yeah, some people, they just hang around in the 300s. Like for them, they feel normal there because that's where they hang out all the time that for me is extremely high um so yeah anything you know for me i do a correction if i'm above um 170 that's a pretty um that's what that's what works for me um or that's where i want to stay um people have different parameters you know people that are in the, like elderly we allow them to go up a little bit higher for their safety, right? We don't need them doing insulin injections. Um, you know, they can get away with it being a little bit higher. Same, same with younger kids. Maybe that's changed now, but that's how it was when I was um, diagnosed. I was given a, a, a wider range. And then the older I got, my range got smaller. Um, but staying out, staying up in that constant high, which is like 200s, 300s, just staying out there, that's where you get your complications.
Um, so if I had a dollar for every time I heard, oh, my aunt has diabetes. She lost her leg. Cool. Great. So, um, I don't even neuropathy. Yes. I don't even know like the, the actual like definition of neuropathy. You could probably look it up, but, Hmm. um, you know, diabetics have certain things that they, they get checked. Um, your blood pressure, right? You could have high blood pressure, um, which can lead to an array of, um, cardiac issues. Same thing with, with cholesterol, um, have high cholesterol but then there's things like um you know like peripheral neuropathy i get my um vision checked once a year um they check the sensation in my feet you know can can i feel can i feel things um one of the first symptoms um or complications rather that could come with um diabetes type 1 or type 2 is your vision changes. You might not notice it, but you start to get um, neuropathy in um, in your eyes. Right. Do you have so, it so neuropathy is the disease or dysfunction of one or more peripheral nerves, typically causing numbness or weakness. So it's, uh, it's the general, um, you know, degrading of the nerves outside of the brain. Essentially, is yeah. And so you can have that like, <laughs> anywhere. anywhere right? Yeah. So. Um, I always do a little celebration because I was told that, um, you know, vision is not that my vision necessarily would change, but that neuropathy, um, in my eyes would be, is is usually a a complication that they find early. Um, and you haven't had to have glasses until, well, well, you didn't have to have glasses for, for quite a while. Yeah. Oh, and it doesn't especially change. coming from somebody that had to have glasses in middle school. Yeah, uh, my vision has absolutely nothing to do with um, with diabetes. I just, when I turned eighteen, just realized I needed well, it glasses could. or contacts. No, it doesn't. So, you, so there, there's no Mm-mm. if the you couldn't have any complications with your vision from being diabetic. Or? No, um, you would get like neuropathy which is what I go and get checked for every year annually. I've never had an issue. I just needed glasses. Right, but that's, so there's, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is that if you weren't to take care of yourself, it wouldn't like, oh. degrade your eyesight. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, it could. You could get, yeah, there's an array of symptoms that come along with peripheral neuropathy. That, that's, that's what I meant. Yes. It. it could affect your vision if you yeah, didn't take care yeah, of yourself. Absolutely. That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. No, you're just, yeah, you're just getting yeah. old as fuck. I, I was oh, just sorry. going. Oh, sorry, we're trying to make this family, yeah. family appropriate. Sorry. I um, just needed glasses <laughs> at 18. I had nothing right. to do with being diabetic. No, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's was, uh, that was my point was you're just getting old. Yeah. And your vision was changing. So, not that you um, yes. <laughs> the neuropathy, um, the main side effect of that then would be vision loss. Um, if I had a dollar every time someone told me when I was, you know, in high school that their so-and-so, their grandma lost her vision and had to have her big toe amputated because of diabetes. Diabetes. Cool. Right? Like what the, what do you say to that? Um, so you have that, you have the neuropathy, which would be numbness and extreme like nerve pain in your feet. Um, that's why if you don't take care of yourself, you can end up needing to get those amputated, right? Um, 
kidney disease, you could end up having to be on dialysis. Um, I don't know what the percentage is, but the percentage increased significantly of having a stroke um, or coronary artery disease or, um, you know, a heart attack. So I remember sitting on the bed and my pops just said, well, first of all, you won't even be allowed to get your license if we're doing these meter checks and they're not on point. At that point, I still had two years before I was driving. However, when you're 14, like that's, that's all you want. Yeah. You're excited. Cause that's, that's, that's the thing that's going to happen. Um, because if you take into consideration everything that we've discussed, getting behind, you know, being the driver of a vehicle is a really bad idea. If you're not, controlled if you're not checking your blood sugar before you you know start the car um so meter checks were enforced a lot more after that happened um you know but i thought for sure if i didn't take care of my blood sugars i would be blind by the time i was 25 i thought i would be in a wheelchair with one of my legs gone um i didn't know what dialysis was but i know it sounded really bad um and that's what I thought my future was going to be for a really long time. Not only that, I know that I knew at the time the percentage of teenagers diagnosed around my age, how many made it out of high school without a complication, whether it's something minor, um, like the beginning of, I mean, you could live with peripheral neuropathy and have your vision for years, but it's still there. It's still an indication. Um, it's still considered a complication secondary to being diabetic um i knew how many kids didn't make it or what their lifespan was you know um and i was told that if i took care of myself it'd be fine but um well you know every anything he was true you know um my doctor he was very honest he was very blunt um he said anything you want to do i'll try to make sure you can do it um and he, he did, but um, it very much shaped how I handle things now. I need the everything. I need the truth. I need it up front. I need it to be blunt, and then I handle it. Um, and I'm assuming because of that's, that's how we handled this, right? Like this is where you could be, and this is where you're at right now. Where, you know, what you do is going to determine – how you how you live the rest of your life, right? How how your twenties and thirties and forties are gonna end up. I remember not even I remember being excited that I made it to thirty. Yeah. Because I I didn't like think like, oh I'm gonna die. I just didn't know. You know? And um I guess I say all that to say that I don't ever remember not trying my hardest. I don't remember not getting up in the middle of the night when I had to pee and knowing that that's a symptom of a high and checking my blood sugar and then having to do a correction when I could have just said I'm tired and go back to sleep and deal with it in the morning, right? Um, I never remember not sacrificing what I could to be the healthiest that I could be. 
obviously the older you get, the more you learn. You you don't know what you don't know when you don't know it. Um, so we did the best that we could. But I remember, um, I guess I remember never trying to take a vacation. Because um, you can't. You can't. Um, and I think it's just because the, the picture that was painted for me of what happens. Mm. You know, as soon as I became 18, I could have, I could have stopped, right? I could have done whatever I wanted, but it was already so ingrained that that's not going to provide a life that's beneficial for you. So I became really mature at 12. And I think you had mentioned, um, you know, you have to take into consideration what food you're eating, how much of it you're eating, what had I, what am I going to be doing? You know, am I going to be playing a sport after school or am I going to go to the gym after work? What did I do two hours ago that could be possibly changing my blood sugar right now? Um, all of that. So it's constantly looking at what you did and looking at what you're going to be doing to determine what to do right now. And that doesn't stop. So it's this constant. Um, Barrage. Yeah. You know, it's this, it's this constant reel just going on in the back of your head while you're also still supposed to do like normal life stuff, right? You're still supposed to be a mom and go to work and, you know, have a social life. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't want diabetes to rule your life because that'd be miserable too. But it's, it consumes a certain part of you that ne it never stops ever. Like it can't because it doesn't stop. So you never can stop, right? Like you don't, you don't get that choice. You know, you don't get to say, no, I need a break. I'm not going to have diabetes today. Right. People do. I've, I've read so many articles about teens that take a break and they don't make it. They either go into DKA, which is um, diabetic ketoacidosis, which is your blood sugar is very, very high, um, and it can it can lead to death. So, yeah, a super high blood sugar may not um, put you into a, you know, may not make you pass out, but it could put you into a coma. Um, and each individual is different. Um, I have never had DKA. Knock on wood. Um, I feel like that is probably pretty rare. For 20 years. Um, I've had some scares. Not from highs, necessarily. Oh, yeah. So that one time we did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember. Yeah. DK is very, um, very scary. Um, it can cause um, symptoms that just that stay with you forever. Then afterwards. Um, but I guess looking at that and looking on how I handle things how I handle things may look more difficult, but I promise you being in DKA in the hospital is much harder, right. you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I think it goes, um, I'll just start out with saying all the way back to the beginning of the balance of tough love and grace that you were given um, was key. And I'm speaking for you. I'm assuming at this, 
at this point um, was key to to what you have developed into and realizing the the path before you um, you know sometimes you know we don't get to make our own choices um, but we get to decide how we handle those choices that we're not allowed to make. Um, so it's a, uh, a journey of, loving parents and people around you that were able to help you. Um, but I think to put all of the glory on them would be a disservice to what you've done individually. Um, you know, obviously the, the way that we were, you were raised in the honesty and the bluntness and that without a doubt has been, you know, beneficial to you at this point, but, um, your fortitude to push forward and to strive to be healthy, uh, I can't be denied and realizing that, you know, looking at the, the long term of, you know, not even knowing exactly what's going to happen, but what could happen and you realizing that and deciding to do those hard choices and pushing forward regardless, um, you know, that says a lot about the person that you are regardless of the things that are inflicting you. Um, and I don't know, maybe I see that every day. So it's, I often not forget it, but, uh, it's often not necessarily, you know, glaring to me because that's just who you are and that's how I know you are. Um, and that's what I appreciate about you. <laughs> Is that what you appreciate about me? <laughs> One of the things, um, but you know, so we, I mean, we've talked about your the beginning and where what you've gone through and the concerns and the the highs and the lows as it were. Um, you know, is do you think that's do you continually to look forward to, you know, what could be and what you have now? I guess maybe this is a better question for you. Um, reflecting back on your journey from when this started to here to where you are now, not necessarily is there anything that you would change, but you know, what are some reflections on? Because this was—it's been a long time at this point. You know, we we basically have discussed your teens, and you're getting old. You know, but there's a lot of time in your twenties, and now in your thirties that you still essentially have very, 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 very minimal complications. And you, you touched on... I don't have any complications, technically. Technically. Well, 
Impact. We've had episodes. Impact. And impacts. You've had, but, you've had extremely minimal nothing. impact. And I hate to say, like, I haven't had any complications as if that um, determines your worth, right? Or your um, healthiness as a diabetic. Or, um, you know, I don't say it to put myself on a pedestal. I say right. it because I'm super super grateful and super, super proud of that. Um, I don't want someone to hear that and think like, oh, I'm not doing a good job because I have, you know, this, that, or the other. Um, it's all patient. Right. Like you, you said, know, everybody's patient. different. Everyone is so different. And my day will come and I won't be any less proud of how I handle myself because I know that if it comes, it's not because of something I didn't do. Um, so I will. I will take it and I will keep, I mean, keep on keeping on, right? Like there's, there's nothing else you can do. Um, I mean, I guess I technically do now have a second autoimmune disease because somehow related to the first, um, but I don't know if you would count that as a complication. I just kind of decided to tag along, but continue. I just wanted to clarify <laughs> episodes and complications are different. Yeah. I, well, I guess. Oh, there's just so much. Um, I guess it's just there's just so much in there. What you just said too. Um, is there anything, as you mentioned, that looking forward? You know, you just said your day will come. Um, I could talk about that too, but looking back through your twenties and thirties and essentially without too many um, episodes or complications, is there anything that like you, is there anything different or anything you could touch on like 20 years? It's a pretty long time to be fighting the fight. Sorry. What? what I'm going to go with the cheesy one just because it, it just keeps on hitting me 20 years later. What would you tell you at 12? I would have said life is going to be hard. Regardless, choose your heart. You know, staying diligent and dedicated, um, it's hard. You have to make sacrifices. Right? There are times where I, um, I go to bed real early because I've had a real rough day. There are times where I have had to stay home from something I really wanted to do because I just, my blood sugars were shit. And when I say that, they were either low all night so i woke up and there is a long lasting effect afterwards the next day or i was high um which also puts you in a mental state that's that's not fun um you know, there are times when your blood sugar is like you, you legally aren't allowed to drive like you actually can't go somewhere um and that's to protect you and everyone around you right um it's hard but the picture my dad painted me is also really hard. So choose your heart, right? Um, it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's, 
certainly not fair. Um, but that doesn't, it doesn't make it, it doesn't change it. Um, you can do it. That you're going to question your worth a lot because with you comes all of this extra stuff and you're not always fun and you have to plan and you have to prepare and that has now became ingrained in you. So um, maybe I would have tried to find ways to keep that into a separate part of my life because I now am such a planner and I have to be prepared and I am rather anal um, because that's what's kept me alive and that's what's kept me safe. So it has seeped into other aspects of my life and maybe that's not necessarily healthy per se. Um, but you're going to be really proud of who you are. Um, a few more things I would, I would tell myself. Um, things are hard and, um, you know, I said we, we choose our hard, but you have a really big life that you're going to live. I've done some really, really great things. Um, I have participated in all kinds of um, physical or athletic events that I didn't know I would be able to do. Um, you know, just because you can't make it through um, a couple track meets doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to do incredible things. Um, you're going to win your first powerlifting meet, and that's going to be pretty sweet. <laughs> Um, that was, that was really cool. Um, you're not going to know if you're going to be able to handle something until you try it. Um, try it. And then, um, if you can't handle it, that's okay. You know, um, the sacrifice is going to be worth it. Um, bitterness is going to take a lot of your energy and it may make you feel better at the time. But it's not worth it. I used to be really bitter about type 2 diabetics um, because I was constantly being put in that same group of people. And I didn't want to be because I didn't have a choice. And when I was younger, in my mind, every type 2 ate themselves there. And they got there because of lifestyle changes or lifestyle choices that they could have changed and they didn't. There's a lot of gray. That's not absolute. As much as I hated being put in the group with type twos, there are so many type twos that did nothing and their pancreas just stopped producing enough insulin. They are healthy and they are fine. Um, and I can't imagine what it feels like to them to be grouped by someone like me as someone who made shit choices. Um, and even the ones that maybe did put themselves there, they're not making any ch changes, it still doesn't change your life. So there's a lot of wasted energy and a lot of hate. 
towards a group of people that don't deserve it. So put that energy towards something positive and um, yeah, you don't, you, just as much as I don't want someone to assume they know my situation, I can't assume I know their situation. And don't watch Steel Magnolia, even though someone told you to, is not good. I don't. It's just don't watch it. It's not. It's not a good movie. It's don't listen to those people. It's really bad. So um, what you're saying is spend your time being as healthy as you can be, winning powerlifting competitions, deadlifting like what three times your body weight, damn near. Not yet. Close. Close. Being a going and being a CrossFit coach if you want to. Yeah. Despite being broken and brittle on the inside, you can be really fucking strong. You can be strong mentally. You can be strong physically. You can do it. You're going to have to work harder than somebody without diabetes. But your triumph is going to be so much greater. You can do it and you're not a quitter if if I could say anything you're not a quitter if it's too hard it's a really fine balance between wanting to live this full life and wanting to play it safe to be healthy for a long life I try to find that balance all the time I loved CrossFit and it was so hard to give it up. But physically, it was wreaking so much havoc on my body. I could not keep doing it. It's the first time that my um, endocrinologist said, this isn't, this isn't working. I was having way too many lows, especially in the middle of the night. We were having a lot of scares. But I loved it. And at some point I had to say, this isn't worth it. And that was really hard. And I felt like a quitter. But it was, it was not quitting. It was making a sacrifice. It wasn't more important than being here for my daughter. And people can hear that and be like, oh my gosh, it's just CrossFit. And you're right, it is just CrossFit. But it made me feel strong and it made me feel um, I don't like an athlete like something I hadn't felt since high school that I loved and as soon as I realized it was causing harm I gave it up and that's and it was a sacrifice it wasn't quitting just putting that out there Sometimes you have to make those hard decisions, and and it's hard to, to know. You know, I absolutely love lifting, and I will, I will figure out a way to make that healthy and be a part of my life, no matter what. I could probably do that with CrossFit now with some of the um, extra things that I have. You know, I didn't have a continuous glucose monitor then. I have one now. I could probably do it. But I have found a passion in powerlifting and bodybuilding type workouts. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things that 
I've moved on from. But you can find something. Yeah. Yeah. And a continuous glucose monitor has absolutely changed my life, but we can get into that later. But right. I don't know. I, I think I would change some things in my mid twenties. Um you know, we got pregnant early. Um on purpose. Um, my blood sugars were, were good. Um, you know, the, my endocrinologist nurse practitioner for my, um, endocrinology was amazing. BJ shook. She is retired now, but that lady changed my life. But, um, you know, we got pregnant early and we knew it was going to be high risk, even though my blood sugars were so controlled. And it was a really hard nine months. For both of us, um, everything turned out perfectly fine. I was perfectly safe the whole time or healthy. Kai is now nine. Um, we had a very uneventful pregnancy and delivery, and she is perfect. Um, but shortly after having her, I started having a lot of GI symptoms, and I started losing weight a little bit more quickly than what I should have been um, just with breastfeeding and talk about hormones in your teens. How about hormones <laughs> after having having a kid, right? Um, and now we've been married for a couple of years and, you know, it's just, it's just a lot. Within like a year and a half, we did all of the big things. We, we bought a house. Yeah. We got pregnant. Um, you know, we had gotten married probably a year and a half before that then. Um, and I was extremely overwhelmed. Um, long story short, GI symptoms ended up being um, celiac, celiac disease, which, real quick, is just another autoimmune disease. So my body this time attacked the villa in my GI system, which basically takes the nutrients from your food and you know spreads it out amongst your body. Um, so I was having a lot of um, vomiting and diarrhea and a couple months into that we finally got it checked had a scope done and was diagnosed with um, celiac disease well in my mind you remove gluten from your um, your diet and you're fine because that's that's what they told me now that I'm celiac disease you know there's a lot more about gluten out there now um it's not necessarily exactly how it works your gut is so imperative to um your mental health and so much of your physical health that um it still affects a lot of things in your hormones and um i guess i didn't even realize that until even a couple of years ago but um to put it lightly i was a mess um i definitely probably had some depression that I did not even consider. Um, mental health is, um, well, we all have some sort of mental health, um, mental health in regards to di uh, depression, anxiety, things like that is pretty significant with, with diabetics. Um, I was dealing with, with all of that. Um, but I know that I, I made life a lot of about me. 
um, one because I, I felt like I had to 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 survive, and also I I wanted to be able to um, I guess not share that, but maybe share that. Um, it just was a lot going on at one time, and um, we had a pretty significant life change right about then, and. Um, I just remember you telling me that you were so wrapped up in my health that you hadn't allowed yourself time to be wrapped up in your own. And if I could have changed anything, it would have been somehow realizing that, that I wasn't the only one. Um, I'm not the only one with a, um, issue that you can't see. Right. Um, you can't just look at someone and assume that they're fine because they they hold their shit together. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on, but I maybe would have, in that point in time, tried to hold on to some something that wasn't so consumed with being a diabetic and having celiac disease and I allowed that to be my identity for a while because I was terrified and I was depressed and I I'm now a new mom and I have to go back to work and I told myself like it was self-preservation but I also think that I was just scared and lost and I didn't know how to handle life basically um obviously you can't change anything but maybe I would have tried to hold on to that a little bit differently. Maybe not hold on to that differently, handle that differently, I guess. I don't know where I went with that. That was just a big, long circle, but... Um. So, you were discussing um, going through the pregnancy and getting diagnosed with celiac disease which um is different than gluten intolerance mm-hmm. um similar to type 1 and type 2 diabetes um they are similar in the ramifications and whatnot but they have differences um so you just as a a person uh, as a supporter of a person with type 1 and celiac disease um know the difference (laughs) coming from someone that doesn't have them. There's a difference. Um, but, and the, the struggles that that kind of come along with that is now, not only do you have to be concerned about what you're eating for your glucose levels to make sure you neither go too high nor too low, um, for all of the reasons that we've talked about, um, but now you also have to be concerned about what precisely you're eating um, because anything that has wheat, rye, or barley will also put you in the hospital mm-hmm. because of what those things will do to your body. Um, with celiac with me disease. Me personally, some people with celiac disease have completely different symptoms. Um, my symptoms are just severe. 
um, vomiting and diarrhea, which then wreak havoc on my blood sugars. And it's just this circle that ends. But some people, their celiac symptoms are different. But yes, continue. Right. So there's there's shades of all of the grays amongst all the things. Um, but I think that's an important uh, point to try to get across is um, you are concerned essentially every single time you eat. Yeah. You, and then you develop celiac disease, which makes you even more concerned, not only about every, the time frame of what you're eating and how many carbs it consume, it, it, it holds, but also what, um, and this is just to kind of paint a picture. Um, if you go to a restaurant, you don't know if they are frying their French fries or whatever in the same vat of grease or oil as they fry their chicken fingers, which are breaded with gluten. Um, and this is not a fad diet. This is, like we said, something that makes you violently ill that puts you in the hospital. And once again, um, if you are a diabetic and your blood sugars go low and you pass out and you cannot eat anything, it's hard to raise those blood sugars. But also if you are a type one and have celiac disease and you eat gluten and your body is violently rejecting it, it's a lot. It's pretty difficult to, um, to eat anything at that point as well to raise those blood sugars, which could make you pass out and have all of these very cyclical redundancy type complications. Um, and that's something that, uh, like many things, many difficulties that people go through, uh, that you'll never fully understand them unless you go through them. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a person, I'm just going to see a person that, uh, that is a person of you, and uh, as a person that is connected with a person that you know has these complications, um, you know I don't even fully understand all those things. So it's just it goes back again to we never can truly understand things unless we are going through them um, as somebody's person that's going through them. I can understand them more than most. Um, and additionally, I feel like you've been, you know, you just kind of, uh, talked to earlier about, you know, your, your 12 year old self and, you know, somebody that may be dealing with something, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be type one diabetes or type two diabetes or celiac. It, it could be anything. There's, <laughs> there's no shortage of, really messed up, you know, physical things, mental things that people are going through. Um, but I think that the second best thing to not having to deal with those things, which I guess tough shit because it's there. Um, but the second best thing 
um, I'm assuming, because just from my own experience and dealing with hard things, is having a person or having people that are there. You know, you talked about, uh, you know, kind of the tough love of your dad and um, the the grace of your mom, and the, but the strength there as well, too. Um, you know, if, uh, I guess this is just me talking to other people of the people that are struggling. Um, strength is, it's a good thing. Um, when, you know, they're having a hard day. Um, but at the same time, the weakness, I guess I think can be just as good. Um, showing that you care and showing that you're interested and concerned. Um, I feel like it doesn't always have to be one way or the other. I think it's the, both of those things, kind of like your parents. You need, you need somebody to say, hey, suck it up. You got to do it. But you also need somebody to say, hey, we're going to get through this and just, just hold on. Um, and sometimes um, if somebody is listening to this that is, you know, has a son or a daughter or a loved one, um, sometimes you have to be both of those things um, and try to navigate those. And it's, it's not easy. Um, I will say uh, I take solace in the fact and I also have rage in the fact that I can't do anything about it. But what I can do is do the best and be the best person that I can be. Um, there's times where it's just, he's got to be there and you can't do anything. Um, but you can do everything you can do for that person. Um, we, we know we've had times we've talked about that are scary. Um, whether you're too high and I'm driving 90 miles an hour through downtown Mansfield to get you to a hospital, allowing you to I'll stop the car so you can peek on the sidewalk. Um, and being, you know, in the ER at three o'clock in the morning, um, or, you know, uh, I feel like my radar has been failing me recently because of the technology technology that you have with your CGM, your continued glucose monitor and you know, your pump that has been um, helping dramatically in those things. Um, but I remember countless times waking up, you know, to your damp, <laughs> cold, sweating body, moist, moist. Yeah. And knowing, okay, she's low. I need to wake her up. And you naturally don't want to be woken up. Um, you know, we, we talked about, you've talked about how, um, I almost used the word lucky, but <laughs> it, it was hard work and dedication to, to keeping yourself healthy. Um, but we haven't, you know, it, it hasn't been peaches and cream all the time. It's not always super easy. So I guess, um, I'm not trying to, at this point, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk to people, um, that deal, uh, with the struggles of 
you know, having a, a lifelong disease or a debilitating disease or anything. I, I can't talk to those people, but I can talk to people that, um, that love those people. There's times you have to step it up too. And there's times that, uh, you know, you have to be strong and you have to focus and you have to focus on the task at hand. You have to slap somebody in the face and force them to drink the orange juice or the grape juice or whatever shitty juice that they don't like at the time. Um, and there might be times that you have to call 911 in the middle of the night and and you have to hold your shit together to at least get them help. And you have to hold your shit together and you have to, you know, tell the person on the other line that, you know, I am with a whatever it is, but a, a type one diabetic, they are low and you have to understand what they need. So you have to learn and you have to love that person enough to know how to help them when they need help and to give them the care at those times, but to also give them the room when they're struggling emotionally and do your best to just show them that you're there. Um, it will not be easy to watch them get carried out on a stretcher while your child is asleep in the next room. But you keep the noise down so you don't wake your child until they're gone. And then you wake them. And then you go to the hospital. Because Sometimes it is not about you. Oftentimes, if you love somebody, it's mostly not about you. And that's exactly how it should be. Um, you take care of yourself so you can be there for somebody else. That's what love is about. Um, And you do the things that you can do to help somebody else. But you also have to do that by helping yourself and staying strong. And I think that is a, uh, a beautiful message that you have laid out very emphatically of, of who you are and what you've done. 
Um, you know, obviously you've talked about taking care of yourself for you. Um, but you've also talked about taking care of yourself for the ones around you. And, you know, I don't think there's anything more selfless than that, even though it goes back into pouring your time and energy into you. Um, but there's some people that want you around. Regain my composure here for a second. Um, Not doing it. Yeah, so I guess when... I know not everybody has a person. Um, and I guess to you, I would say keep doing it for yourself because you're worth it. Um, but when you have somebody pouring so much of that, of themselves into you and into your health and just all of the things it's selfish and not to give 100% of yourself um it would be selfish not to put myself first when i have a 9 year old who didn't ask to be here you know, she she's a product of, of us because we wanted that. And to not do everything in my power to be here, to live for you and for her and for me would be selfish. And I just don't understand a life other than that. Um, I, I don't, um, I don't know if I would do it without you and without Kai, if I didn't have a reason, I don't know. I would love to think that I have that resilience to do that. I don't know. Um, I know that I'm worth it. I haven't always known that. I don't always think that. Um, but I know that not choosing me is really hard too. And it brings a lot of complications that aren't worth skipping the extra steps and the extra energy that it takes to to try to be as healthy as possible um and not only that but have a little one watching right um she knows she knows that she came home when she was six and said mommy i know i know why you have diabetes 
And I said, well, shit, please tell me because I don't know why I have diabetes. <laughs> it's still a mystery. And she said, well, Grandpa told me that your soldiers, that keeps your body safe, attacked your pancreas. And I said, yeah, that's, that's right. And she said, but they weren't supposed to. They thought that it was the enemy. And I said, yeah, that's, you know, that, that happened. And, you know, she had a better grasp on what was happening, what happened internally than adults, you know, that don't have a reason to know that. And it breaks my heart that she has to know what that means. But also her and I go out alone and if something would happen, she needs to be able to say, my mommy has type one diabetes. Her blood sugar was low, right? Or her blood sugar was high. And I do not shield her from very many things, but I try to keep it at that. Um, You know, we were out walking two weeks ago and I thought that it was a half mile trail. It ended up being a mile and a half trail. I didn't have any snacks with me and it was warmer than what I anticipated. And we started walking and I realized halfway through I was dropping significantly. And then I started sweating. And then part of my face went numb and I started the deep breathing, you know, trying to just keep myself calm knowing that I still had a half a mile left to walk. And I had to go back over all of that with her. I, you know, Kai, my blood sugar is really low right now. We have to keep walking. I don't have any food on me right now. We're in the middle of nowhere. Um, First of all, here's the emergency button on my phone. What does mommy have? Type 1 diabetes. Yes. What are my blood sugars? I don't know, but it's low. Yes. You wait here with me. Yell for help, right? Like, these are the things um, that you need to do. Um, And it scared her. She held my hand, and we walked until we got back to the car. And, you know, we stayed there until... I was able to eat my snack and my blood sugar came up. Breaks my heart to have to do that to her at at nine. But I couldn't imagine what would happen if I would pass out and she had no fucking clue what to do. Right? Right. So it's really hard. I have to educate her. Just like I'm sure it was really hard for my parents to do what they did. But they had to educate me so that I could take care of myself. And I have to do it for selfish reasons so she can take care of me, but also so she isn't left out. She's not confused. You know, she knows what is going on. Um, She has seen me with the flu twice in the ER. Super sick. Um, She doesn't understand. She just knows that mommy's really sick. Um, and that breaks my heart, but this is life. 
And I hope that at the end of the day that she just has compassion for people that are going through things that aren't necessarily visible or she doesn't fully understand, but she knows that maybe they're a little different and maybe they struggle a little bit for different reasons. And I hope that she'll think of me and she'll have as much compassion for them as she has she has for me. She prays for me on her little prayer list above her bed she made probably when she was seven six mind you we don't pray here she just took it upon herself and um, does what she does from what she learned is learned from school at breakaway and um she just prays that her mommy is i don't even remember what the words were um know that mommy was all better or i can't remember what her words are but it's um you know it's impacted her life enough to know that um i struggle a little bit and i hope that she sees that i struggle and that i overcome it as much as possible well i don't think um i don't think she'll ever miss how strong you are by any means. Um, and I think that was uh, subconsciously looking back on it. Um, that's probably one of the things that attracted me to you the most because <laughs> you had that strength and you just had to. Um, you know, I think it's just such a, a key thing that all the things you just talked about is you know, recognizing that everyone's different. Um, we're all going through our all separate struggles. And uh, maybe we, we can see that a little more, be a little more compassionate. And, um, you know, and I'm not, this has been an emotional section of your entire thing. Um, but I think if, uh, if anyone's listened to us in general, um, we're not all lovey dovey and everybody deserves all of the things like that's, you know, you got to earn them. You got to work for it. It's not easy. It sucks. But if we can be a little more compassionate to people because we don't understand them or try to understand them or try to express that, Hey, I'm here. What do I need to know? I'd like to know more. I'm here for you. How can I help? Um, I don't think that's that's weakness. You know, that's that's strength. And the amount of self strength that you have shown is um, will never be lost on her by any means. Um, but I think it's just so important to realize that. We're all doing this thing, whether we want to or not. So, you, know, you don't have to be a dick to somebody. Don't be a jerk. Um, some people deserve it, probably, <laughs> yeah. But they'll get theirs. 
find somebody, find a group, um, find someone, find some people to be your people. Um, and I know that that's absolutely one of the reasons why I have so much attraction to you is because of your strength and your compassion for other people. Um, even as abrasive as you can come off sometimes and maybe you get that from your, from your pops, but I, uh, it's absolutely, it's, I can see right through that trying to be a, a badass. <laughs> I see right through it. And like the level of compassion and strength you have, um, I think people are seeing that. And I hope that everybody can find a person to, uh, to have that with and they care about. Yeah, so I think everyone, um, you know, my few takeaways is I don't think that everyone um, has to be met with such tough love and um, that dynamic. I mean, it's extremely, it was extremely brutal at the time. Um, it worked for me. I extremely grateful I spent a lot of my life in black and white thinking that that's how you treat everybody that you know everybody with I have talked to multiple um, type ones who were just diagnosed in the office as a nurse or um, you know privately with you know so-and-so no so-and-so and um, they can't handle being um, talk to that way because they're, they're different people just like um, as a personal trainer clients don't always respond to that direct bluntness that I really want to give them right <laughs> they're like no I need you to encourage me and I need like I need the fluff <laughs> okay so um, if you respond differently that is that's fine obviously when you're younger how your parents handle it is going to shape how you deal with this disease until you're old enough to take on the responsibility as yourself. So parents, handle it however you can handle it, but it's not going to be easy. And I promise you, your kid is, you're not doing them any favors by letting things slip. You're taking the easy way out and I know that sounds harsh because it is. And I know you can say, oh, you're not in my, you're right. I am not in your shoes. But I promise you, if you want the best for your kid and not what's best for you, you won't let them slip. There are times where I have to give up control and I'm vulnerable and I hand Fred my my glucometer so real quick i have a continuous glucose monitor right now which is this little device connected to my skin it's a tiny little rubber catheter or a little wire underneath my skin and it sends blood sugars to my phone so i no longer have to do the finger stick all the time every five minutes 
I get an alert or I can see what my blood sugar is. Um, my husband also has it on his phone. It has been a life saver. And I do not say that in a dramatic way. It has literally saved my life. I can set it so I have an alert if it goes below um, 70. And I have it set so I get an alert if it goes above 170. You can change that. I have a Dexcom G6. Um, It's been a game changer. I also have an insulin pump, which every three days I change this other device stuck to my body with a tiny little rubber catheter and I have a little device here that I can put in how many carbs I'm going to eat and how much insulin I need so I'm no longer giving myself injections um, the two of those together have been game changers I didn't speak to that very oft- very much but um, I've had those for the last I don't know, seven years or so. And it has been very helpful. Um, You know, parents now can send their kid to school and see what their blood sugars are, which I can only imagine is helpful. Um, You probably hover over that thing all the time. (laughs) Um, I don't blame you. I do that too. Um, But... It's definitely, it's definitely helpful. But I just say that to say, make the hard decision, the hard choices now so that they don't have to have hard complications later. Um, So you don't have to sit and wonder, could I have done more? Handle it how you choose to handle it and stick with it. Um, you're not a failure if you want to give up. It happens. Just know that you can't. You can't. Unfortunately, you don't have that choice. So just keep going. Um, Hopefully, you find somebody that when you're struggling and you have to have control, But you know you have to sleep. You know you have to get rest because you've had a really hard day or a really long night of being sick or extremely high blood sugars. Whatever it is that you can hand your pump over to your person and literally put your life in their hands. Being vulnerable is extremely difficult for me in that regard. Mainly because you don't deserve to have to take that on. Also because I want you to know that I can handle it. So when you're not here, you know that I'm fine. But sometimes I'm not fine. And I appreciate you very much being able to take that over, even when that means you're up all night long and you're doing tiny micro doses of insulin to make sure I don't bottom out and you are poking the bear when it needs fed. Um, I appreciate that very much.
we do those things because of the amount of effort and control and work you have already put in it and because 20 years later you are absolutely not without ramifications but without serious complications and that makes me really happy and all of the fun things that we've done and that you have done and the hey just i just can't help but think about all the awesomeness that we and you have been able to experience because you've done the hard work and you've had the discipline and we have had the discipline to do the things and so it's just i get so just real quick before we end it i have you know we've mentioned the dedication and putting in the work and doing these things but I haven't really spoke to what exactly that is other than, you know, taking the time to correct your blood sugar or preparing the the snacks or whatever. But um, being your own advocate goes a really long way. Educating yourself and not relying just on your provider. Guess what? Your endocrinologist, they have a m- not a million. They have a thousand other diabetic patients. They have a thousand thyroid patients, um, cancer patients, whatever. They have a very limited amount of time with you. Um, and they mean well, but they can't, they can't do the work for you. So advocate for yourself. Read, you don't even have to read a book. Read some blogs. Quoting Dusty now? Yeah. Read a book. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that you can do. Physical fitness, um, you know, everything that they say that type two should do, you should be doing also. You should get in your eight to 10,000 steps a day. You should push your water. You should make sure the carbs you are eating are, are going to actually provide you energy. Um, you need protein. We all need protein. Muscle sexy. Build the muscle. Um, find something that is a release for you maybe it's running i fucking hate running it's not for me i love lifting i have been able to find a style of lifting that complements does not complement my blood sugars but doesn't kill my blood sugars um it has helped me build a body that doesn't feel broken inside maybe that's the wrong way the wrong reason to do things but um initially it was to build a body that didn't f- look broken how i felt it was and now it's just turned into something that makes me feel really strong physically and mentally and that's something that i never felt before um so find something that makes you feel powerful that makes you feel em- empowered doesn't have to be lifting maybe it's running or cycling or yoga yoga is really good um 
because you have to have so much control and so much structure if you want to have good control. And even with good control, you're going to have a ton of outliers as we have discussed with these lows and these highs. Like you're not, it's never going to be perfect. Let that shit go. Like literally let that expectation go because it's not possible. And I have spent so much energy on wanting it to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect ever. So let that go. Give yourself grace. Pick yourself up and handle it afterwards, right? Like fix the low fix the high and move on um but that's how you, you handle it if you're struggling mentally get help right talk to somebody get on medication it's literally not your fault your brain i don't even i read a statistic before you you probably make 200 extra extra decisions a day being type one i don't know if that's accurate that's probably low but that's that's i remember reading something along those lines like it's not only that that you're overwhelmed because you can't handle it but literally there is a war raging inside your body like i spent a long time not wanting to take anything because i thought that i wasn't strong enough that i didn't appreciate my life enough And that people had it so much worse than I did. So if I was depressed, it was my own fault. And then I spent years saying, well, I'm just so tired. I'm not depressed. I just, I'm tired. And I am tired. I get fatigued very easily. Um, But... Depression is a chemical imbalance. It happens. Um, I love my life. I am happy. I also have depression. Um, The more you resist it, the the harder it's going to get. So, Medication isn't the answer for everything. Talk to somebody. Um, Find your people. I am not a support group kind of person. Uh, My parents tried that when I was younger, and that did not work. I do not feel like sitting around a group of people and discussing these sorts of things. It's I, I, I did not want to do that. Some people loved it. Some people made great friends. And they're probably still lifelong friends, and I am completely missing out. It's not for me, and that's fine. Find your people. If you don't find your people, do it for yourself. Because you're worth it. Well, even though you are not a uh, support group person, I really appreciate you telling your story. Even if I wasn't so heavily invested in it, I really appreciate it. Um, And if you find your people, you can have really good times and really have incredible, awesome experiences with those people. It's not all 
doom and gloom and sadness. Um, life will always have sadness. But I'd rather have a little extra sadness if I can have a lot of extra happiness. If you can't find your people, you can find me. I am on Instagram. Um, I don't know my handle. You can put it in the show notes. It'll be there. Yeah. Um, I know I said I'm not a support group kind of person. That's not how I found support for myself. However, I do um, enjoy being able to have conversations with somebody, anybody going through a similar situation, um, whether they're older, younger. Um, when I was 12, if I had someone to talk to who was older, who had a very fulfilled life and was doing the things, um, It may have made things a little easier. Um, so if you're one of those people, reach out. If you're one of those moms or those dads, reach out. Um, reach out to somebody. Yeah. If it's not me, somebody else. Um, but... No, that's a very small part of my story. Um, don't let diabetes be your whole life. It's not your whole story. I have a lot, I have a lot of other stories. Um, I have great stories, fun things. Um, make it work, right? A lot of the preparation. Um, with preparation, you can do a lot of things, and it's an extra headache. But, you know makes being able to do the things super fun. Worth it. So. Worth it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us on this episode. Appreciated as always. And if you have any questions, comments, ideas, or guest suggestions, leave them in the comments after you subscribe to the channel or visit chroniccuriosity.com to get in contact with us. And the store, which you can pick yourself up some fantastically curious merchandise. Until next time. See you.